You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Blake Sullivan. Welcome in. This is the Hot Take Podcast, and we are back for another episode. I am excited today to talk about Week 11. Oh my goodness, we are here at Week 11. I can't believe it. It's been a while since we've actually recorded a podcast. We've been doing the live shows on Twitter. You've been following on Full Time Fantasy. But this time, we want to give you something that you can uh, listen to throughout the week and going up to Week 11. So. Uh, we have a special guest on the show today, Adam Stark of Everyday Fantasy Football. What is up, Adam? What's going on, Steven? I'm just uh, happy to be here, getting ready to talk some football right before this Thursday night matchup. So let's, uh, let's do this, man. Yeah, we got some news to get into. We're going to talk about some of the more compelling matchups this week. And then, of course, we're going to talk about a couple uh, skill positions that were high on this week that maybe the consensus isn't as high on. Uh, but first, yeah, you and I met at the, uh, the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo. That was a good time. Uh, it was a pleasure drafting with you uh, in the charity draft. How is your league doing or your team in your league doing for the, uh, the FF Statistics charity draft? I'm doing pretty good right now. I'm in fourth. I'm doing a lot better than I was to start out. I think I started out um, two and four. I was now I'm six and four or maybe not two and four, but something like that. I've won, yeah, at least, yeah. you know, four or five out of the last six. But anyways, uh, it was a real rough start. because One of my big picks was uh, Cam Newton. And I tried to go with the Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey stack. Thankfully, Christian McCaffrey is playing like, you know, he's scoring enough points to, uh, yes. make up for Cam Newton's absence so it hasn't been that bad and McCaffrey's really really saved me but I've had guys like uh, I've had I had AJ Green who I've still got stashed to at this point I think I'm just gonna cut him if I see you know at like a semi juicy pickup or you know someone who I semi like but uh, AJ Green he's really been killing me but the one that that's really been helping me out was I got Julian Edelman and I think the late sixth yes. round and this was right when Josh Gordon was uh cleared to play for week one and all the hype was going around him and I think Josh Gordon was even taken in the, the fifth round or something and so to get Edelman that late that was huge so I'm doing pretty good I'm, I'm fourth place uh how, how, how about you how are you doing Steven I am six and four also I started off uh four and one or five and one in that league and I've dropped a few I, I won the last one but you know, it's it's interesting. It, it, that league is is kind of interesting. You know, you got the uh, the inflated points for tight end. So Austin Hooper was a huge pick for me, um, but I started off with the Zeke and Deshaun Watson back to back picks, which has really just helped anything else. Any other boneheaded moves I've made, those two have just helped me get through. Kind of like your Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> and you know that's exactly. Just, tells you the story of Christian McCaffrey's season because he's good enough to make up for what we thought or what I thought was a top five quarterback in Cam Newton this year. Yeah, same here, man. Yeah, Cam Newton was my five overall going into this season. Um, And it actually ruined uh, one of my leagues because I'm on the board and my whole plan was to get Lamar Jackson. I mean, you know, I drafted Patrick Mahomes last year. I was like, let's keep this ball rolling. Let me get Lamar Jackson in the 11th round and he'll be my boom pick this year. Or it you know, might not work out as much. We'll see. But I think that he could do it. I think he has that Patrick Mahomes-esque uh, aura around him. But on the clock, it was Cam Newton. He was still there in the 11th round. And I'm thinking, well, I can't pass up my quarterback five in the 11th round. I got to get Cam Newton. So the rest is history with that. I mean, that's just how fantasy football goes, man. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure I took Cam Newton as, I want to say, the, the fourth quarterback off the board because I had McCaffrey, and I was like, I'm going for the stack, man. I'm, I'm feeling it. Sure yes, exactly. Well, let's get into some of this news. You mentioned, you mentioned A.J. Green. Uh, John Ross is uh, back from IR. Now, I was very excited about this initially, but it turns out I do not think he's eligible to play until December 8th. So at this point in the season – 
he isn't really worth the ad that I initially thought he was. Um, if you're in a deep league, like a 16-team league, I think it is justifiable. But 10 and 12-team leagues, I don't think it makes sense at this point. You're making that playoff push. All of your players need to be, uh, you know, if, you're, if, you're not, if it's not a handcuff running back that you think, okay, just in case, like Brian Hill, you know, something like that that worked out for you if you had him rostered, I don't think John Ross is worth it. Uh, but someone that's a little bit more interesting is Devin Funches. Now, he could play as early as this week. I don't think it'll happen, but he's back from IR. He's practicing. Um, what are your thoughts on Devin Funches, especially when you consider that T.Y. Hillen isn't playing this week uh, and they have a slew of injuries on offense? Yeah, I think Funches can be kind of a sneaky play the next few weeks. We, kinda, we don't really know what he is for this team because he got injured pretty fast. So we don't really know if he's got chemistry with Jacoby Brissett or not. So I think he can definitely develop that or get some type of bond, you know, the next couple games. I don't expect him to, you know, bust out one touchdown, 80-yard game his first week back. But I could see it within the first couple weeks just because Jacoby uh, is looking for a red zone target. Yeah, he likes Pascal and, and Chester Rogers, but those are just, you know, not – big name targets, I guess. They're not, you know, the big body receiver. And that's what they brought sure. Funches in for. So they had him on a one-year deal. And I would be shocked to see if he didn't get a lot of uh, routes ran or snap uh, snaps just because if, he, you know, they don't play him at all, then they won't really see what they got in him. And then he's gone. And it was basically, you know, wasted uh, pickup or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I think that Funch is interesting. He, I don't think he'll play this week. But then – in week 13, you have the Texans. And we're going to talk about the Texans later. Obviously, one of the teams that you can target through the air uh, in fantasy football and in real life football, of course. But if T.Y. Hilton were to miss, and, you know, this is going to be a Thursday night game in week 13. If T.Y. were to miss that game as well and punches plays, that is an awesome flex play, in my opinion. Um, and it would be a dart throw because we haven't seen it, just like you mentioned, Adam. Um, so that would be interesting. And then, of course, in week 15, they play the Buccaneers. So even if T.Y. is back for that matchup and Devin Funches has put together a couple weeks, you're thinking week 15, yeah, he could get a touchdown against, against the Buccaneers. So I do think that it is worth a stash at this point in the season. Um, you know, you could do better uh, as far as waiver pickups. But, you know, like I said, in like a 12-team league that's pretty competitive, I think he's worth a, specu worth a speculative ad. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, especially, you know, we're getting to the point where tons of injuries are going on, um, getting all sorts of little bye weeks. And uh, I think you could just be like a nice dash unless, you know, you got a real tight bench and like a real, you know, small league. Right. Exactly. Uh, more injury news. Matt Burita doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Um, you know, he is perpetually on the injury report, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to get into that matchup a little bit later and talk about what that means for the 49ers uh, against the Cardinals this week. Uh, also, Emmanuel Sanders did not practice. He's listed as day-to-day, -day, um, and we sh you just have to really monitor today is going to be huge uh, if he practices or not. Uh, but it looks like Manny has more of a shot than Matt Burita at this point to play in Week 11. Um, Big news here for me is Darius Geis. Now, you want to talk about a stash in your league. If he's still on your waiver wire, pick him up. I'm trying to trade for him right now. And, you know, I see the logic of, well, that's a waste of time. I mean, the Redskins, you know, they're dead last in points per game as an offense. You got Dwayne Haskins running the show who just looks horrendous. But they have the Lions coming up after this week who one of the worst rush defenses in the league, the Panthers, top five worst rush defense in the league, and the Packers, another matchup that you can exploit on the ground. I think Darius Geis is an awesome ad at this point in the season that not a lot of people are talking about. Adam, is this just kind of like fool's gold for me, or am I on to something here? No, I think it's a solid ad, if not anything. Um, if he pops off and has, you know, one solid game against the Jets and the Lions, his trade value, if your trade deadline's still open, will just skyrocket because so many people will just bite the bullet. Oh, Geis is back. Geis is back. But 
Uh, I don't think that'll be the case so much. I think Geist has a chance to be very efficient, but I did see some reports that they were going to make it kind of a running back committee with him and Peterson, and Peterson's been playing very, very well. So it's hard to imagine to see them uh, take the carries away from Peterson, but then again, Geist is their possibly their franchise running back and, you know, the face of the franchise or one of them moving forward. So they'll definitely want to see what they have in him because he hasn't obviously played the last, you know, two years. And um, I think, I really think that Geis has a good shot to break out against the Jets and then the Packers and Panthers. Uh, right. Why I left out the Lions is because Adrian Peterson owns the Lions. I think AP <laughs> is just going to have a phenomenal game. Geis, I absolutely think he could pound in for a touchdown or something, but don't get me wrong. Adrian Peterson is going to rush all over the Lions in a couple weeks. I love that call. Yeah, you know, Chris Thompson is still out, and as long as he's out, it is Peterson exactly. and Um, And, you know, if one of those is going to be – if one of those players is going to be a pass catcher, I would say that Geis is the better pass catcher. But, you know, it's the unknown with Dwayne Haskins. I think that, you know, we, what we've seen so far is a lot of growing pains. Uh, he was in a tough matchup against Buffalo. You know, he hasn't really had a chance to play defenses that it can be susceptible to – the past. And I, I really do think that it's this kind of like uh, you, this realm of the unknown that really intrigues me because what if this offense can be just a little bit better with Haskins on the field? What if they can get into the red zone just a little bit more? Then Darius Geis is really valuable, even with Adrian Peterson on the field. Like you mentioned, he has been playing well enough to earn the reps on the field. So Darius Geis would really have to play outstanding to take reps from AP at this point. Of course, there's always injury, you know, I mean, look, that could pop up with a guy like Adrian Peterson, who is older, um, even though he yeah, is, for sure, <laughs> even though he is potentially a robot uh, <laughs> and doesn't, <laughs> and is immune to injury. Um, I, I would still say that guys is worth a stash of this play. If he's on your waiver wire, you got to pick him up, even if you're in a 10 team league at this point. I agree too. And even if um, you don't really necessarily like him, you know, you don't believe in him, just take him for the chance to, you know, so uh, an opponent can't have him because if you grab him, you know, you have no interest in playing him and then he does pop off for a week right. or two, that's, that's he's on your bench and not starting for anyone else. So right. that, worst case scenario, he's on your team. Exactly. He is a handcuff with standalone value. And I love that because I, I don't really like stashing handcuffs uh, at this point in the season. It's okay. All bets are off. Like, you know, if, like I said earlier, if you had Brian Hill stashed, you're very happy right now. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have him in, in a spot where now I can just plug and play him without having to waste any fab. Uh, same sort of thing with Darius Geis, except there's some standalone value. We know that he's going to get, you know, about 50-50 uh, timeshare. So uh, you got to like that uh, for just a speculative ad at this point. Uh, let's get into some of these matchups here. Uh, Steelers and Browns, that's going to be tonight. Uh, I'm going to get this show up uh, on Thursday in time for this to be relevant. And, you know, we got the Steelers at five and four. We got the Browns who, I guess they've played better. You know, they've, they've, they're healthier on defense, which is, which is huge. And I think that helps everyone, including Baker Mayfield. Uh, but this is going to be a tough game for the Browns. I am still waiting on OBJ to really have the game that we want from him. Is tonight the night, Adam, or are we still going to have to wait on OBJ? I think we're still going to have to wait against Joe Hayden and Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, just the way Minka's been playing lately, they, that defense, that entire defense has just been playing lights out. And I think the Steelers are going to want to go into Cleveland and just bully the Browns and just show that the Steelers made the right choice going out, trading their first rounder for Minka. And now that if they win the game, they'll be six and four and very, very well in playoff contention. So I think this is a big game for both teams, actually. The Browns, they have had, you know, a little bit of momentum. I'm sure uh, they're trying to rally around, uh, trying to make the playoffs. You know, I'm sure if they win out, which will be insanely hard to do, they would probably make it at 10 and 6. But they're at the point where they don't really have any more losses to give. And the Steelers just have all the momentum in the world in which they're trying to carry it forward and just keep it rolling. So I saw a thing uh, that Devin Bush, he, I don't know if you've heard, he's been calling predictions the last couple of games. Yes. And I think the last two or three games, he called them dead on. It was like four sacks, two interceptions or something. And so now he's calling uh, six sacks, 
a fumble recovery and an interception tonight. So we'll see. Well, I'm inclined to believe him because it's a Thursday night game. It's a divisional game. And this has the makings of a defensive uh, grind. You know, I would be very surprised if, uh, if this is an offensive output tonight. Uh, the over-under is 41.5. Yeah, that's low, but, I, you know, I, I could still – I, I think I would take the under. I, I yeah. could buy the under. Yeah, I mean, you know, Thursday night games and especially this divisional showdown, um, I, I would probably lean the under. I think that Minka has a real case for defensive player of the year, by the way. Oh, and, for sure, yeah. And, you know, just because of the impact he's had on this team, it seems as if uh, as soon as they made that trade, everything changed for this defense uh, because, you know, they were really, really susceptible to the pass uh, before Minka Fitzpatrick got there. Uh, of course, Joe Hayden had his injuries too, so it has a lot to do with it as well, like you mentioned. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. They, they, well, I was going to say, they, they've won, the Steelers have won five of their last six, and the one game they lost was a three-point overtime loss to the Ravens in which Mason Rudolph got knocked out of the game, and they had uh, the duck collar. I can't think of the guy's name right now, but you know who I'm talking about. Yes. And so anyways, they go into overtime, and in, in what looked like the Steelers had an amazing shot to win this game because they forced a, a three-and-out or a turnover or something for the Ravens. And all the Steelers had to do was kick a field goal. But uh, as we know, Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled the ball, and then the Ravens ended up kicking that game-winning field goal. But the Steelers 100% could have won that game had Juju not fumbled or just, you know, a couple other things gone their way. So the Steelers, they are they're looking really good. And if you look at their first three games, they played the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. Those are debatably the three toughest teams in the NFL right now. Right. So it's not their schedule. If you look at it, I mean, yeah, they haven't really beat any, you know, top-tier teams, I guess. You could say the Rams and maybe the Colts, but, you know, they had Brissett out. But, uh, yeah, I think the Steelers are more on that, like, better team side than, you know, the bad team side, I guess. And I think they're they're really starting to look good with a, a easy schedule ahead of them. They got the Browns, Bengals, and then the Browns again. So, yeah, this is another thing to know. They're facing the Browns two times in the next three weeks. So, this game is a – even bigger for uh, for that purpose. Devlin Hodges was the name you were thinking of. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Devlin there Hodges. He is. There he is. So uh, if you had to flex one this week, would it be Deontay Johnson or to be James Washington? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Deontay. Uh, he's a Toledo man and, you know, kind of Michigan. But uh, so <laughs> I think Deontay, he's gotten a little bit more chemistry with Mason Rudolph despite Rudolph you know having the Oak uh, OK State background with uh, James Washington right. I think Deontay has you know looked a little bit better and it's just you know felt better for the the play scheme and just uh, Mason Rudolph himself so I think they have a little bit more chemistry it might just it might be like you know uh, internal chemistry not you know something that they express on the field as where you know James Washington and Mason Rudolph are talking and dapping each other up in the locker room and then come game time you know Rudolph's locked in he's looking for the best you know the sharpest guys and I think that's Deontay Johnson right now I think he's looking the best yeah you know the last two games we've really seen Washington improve though I would say four for 69 and then last week seven targets six receptions 90 yards and then the one touchdown uh, Deontay is certainly in snap count uh, beating James Washington every every week. Uh, but we finally saw James Washington on the field for 50% of snaps. Um, I do see James Washington kind of being that, that big play guy. Um, so I probably would go James Washington where, you know, Deontay has definitely hurt you. Um, but he's been super solid other than two weeks ago where he laid, a, you know, he had like one catch, I think. Um, I think I would go James Washington if it was uh, up to me, just because I do see a, uh, a pattern of him getting on the field a little bit more and being utilized a little bit more. Like you mentioned, him and Rudolph do have that chemistry from back in the day. Um, I do agree it hasn't necessarily shown up on field as much, but I think that we saw what we needed to see in the past couple weeks for him to have this buildup of being utilized a little bit more and just connecting on that big play because look he has looked for James Washington in these games that Mason Rolf has played he's looked for him it just hasn't uh, happened they haven't connected on that 50-50 ball they haven't connected on that deep bomb now last week we saw it finally take place so hopefully we'll see it again tonight I would go James Washington if I had to pick between the two even though I'm not crazy about either for tonight's matchup <laughs> 
Um, can you play Kareem Hunt? Uh, you know, look, he had seven catches last week, and there was an actual role for him on the field. What are you thinking about Kareem Hunt? He also had a couple goal line looks that could have been touchdowns last week. Yeah, I actually like Kareem Hunt, especially in PPR. Uh, he's obviously he got a couple passes last week, and I think he finished with you know close to ten points or something in PPR, yeah. which you know isn't terrible for first game back. Haven't played all season long. New team, new system. You know, new everything. Uh, so I think Kareem Hunt actually he could be a solid flex play moving forward. The Steelers' run defense is pretty good, though. I think they rank uh, – yeah, I got a – their pro football focus ranked their run defense grades out at six. So, the Steelers' run defense is uh, pretty good, and I think yes. it'll be the Nick Chubb show for the rest of the season. But I'm not going to be surprised at all when Kareem Hunt steals a couple touchdowns from Nick Chubb because you know it's going to happen. Uh, it's just Kitchens is just looking so flustered right now. He's about to try – anything if it'll work so if cream hunt you know gets a great breakaway touchdown in which he just shows off his talent i think you know that kitchens might give him some more looks despite uh chubb uh being uh, excellent this season just because they have they still have uh hunt for next year if they want because he's a restricted free agent and then they could trade him if they want so i think they're going to want to showcase him a little bit more um, especially because they're kind of out of the playoffs, I guess. And, you know, they don't really have much to play for. So they're kind of playing for other reasons, I guess. Yeah, you know, I'm with you on Kareem Hunt because they were putting him out wide. They were putting him in the slot. They were putting him in different positions to utilize his talent. And they were getting him and Chubb uh, on the field together. There was a couple plays where they were both in the backfield together. So – they really want to be creative. And, you know, as much as we can get on Freddie Kitchens, and look, he has been atrocious as far as play calling and not utilizing his offensive players. But you have to love getting both of these guys involved. And, you know, it didn't really take away much from Chubb. Chubb is still getting 20 carries. He's gotten 20 carries in the last three games. Uh, you really have to like that if you're a Chubb owner. And they tried so hard to get Chubb into the end zone last week against Buffalo. It just didn't happen. He had so many chances on that goal line. Uh, if you were a Chubb owner, you were really disappointed that he didn't get in. But you have to think that the regression is going to come to the mean there. One thing I do like, and you're, you're dead on about the Steelers' defense being, uh, they're actually fifth. Uh, they give up the fifth least fantasy points to running, back, uh, running backs. But they are allowing eight targets to the running backs and five receptions per game to the running backs. So definitely some room for Kareem Hunt to be valuable in this game in PPR. Very sneaky play. I still think that you can consider him, especially if you're in a league where you have multiple flex positions. Yeah, and I've heard uh, the fantasy footballers, I think Jason Moore came out and said he, that uh, Kareem Hunt is basically just in the Duke Johnson role, but he's not Duke Johnson. He's Kareem Hunt. So right. you're getting that role with a much, much, much better player. So now it's a little bit – the door's open a little more for uh, Kareem Hunt or a guy in that role to be able to produce more in fantasy. So, yeah, Kareem Hunt moving forward, I like him. Let's move on to the 49ers and Cardinals. Uh, 49ers 8-1 and one, took that devastating loss to the Seahawks and probably what was the game of the year on Monday night. And then they're playing the Cardinals 3-6-1. and one. you got to love what you've seen out of Kyler Murray thus far. And he put – up a fight against this 49ers team a couple weeks ago in Arizona. Um, I don't know what to expect in San Francisco. I don't think he's going to have as much success, especially because the 49ers have to be playing angry after that loss. Uh, what are your thoughts overall on this game? And do you think that Jimmy G can have a bounce back game? Of course, he's through for over 300 yards and four touchdowns against this team a few weeks ago. Yeah, I definitely think he can. It's the Cardinals. Everyone's looked bad against the Cardinals. But uh, going back to what you said about Kyler Murray and how he played against the 49ers a couple weeks ago, he looks phenomenal. Um, that last, I want to say the last like few minutes of that game, or probably five, six, seven, seven minutes, Murray made a beautiful throw to Andy Isabella. It was like that 88-yard catch and run, and Murray just dropped it right over the defender. And it, that was his first moment where you're like, wow. He, right. he can pass, man. This, this guy's got an arm. And then um, the next, next week, he made a couple more passes that just looked phenomenal. So now we're really starting to see that Murray is kind of a really good passer and not just like a scrambler and, you know, okay passer. And he's really starting to develop his 
you know, play style, I guess you could say. But uh, going back to 49ers, I think Jimmy Garoppolo can bounce back. I think they will bounce back. This was a tough loss for the, for the 49ers at home last week to an individual rival, Seattle. Now Seattle's just one game back of that uh, first-place spot and that bye, first-round bye. So I think the 49ers are really going to want to try to put the clamps down and just win out, uh, win as much games as they can and just go all out. So the, the line is uh, 10 and a half. And I think it actually was 10 and a half last time they played, but uh, the Cardinals were home. Now right. the 49ers are home. So I think that's going to play a big role as well. Um, Matt Breida, if he's out, I think Mostert can hop into that role, even though it's kind of a different role. I think Mostert will produce just as much as Breida would have. But I really like Tevin Coleman in this game. I think Tevin can have a solid game. He's going to kind of have that backfield to himself again. Right. This was the literally the same scenario a couple weeks ago. I think uh, Brita was banged up or uh, something, but uh, Tevin Coleman was the hot play, and he went out against the Cardinals and crapped the bed. So I'm going to double down with my Tevin Coleman, and I think he's going to be an excellent play this week. So we talked about Emmanuel Sanders being out earlier, and that would open up the door for Debo Samuel. And the thing is with this 49ers team is they spread the ball around. So you cannot be sure about which one receiver will have an impact because they like to use Kendrick Bourne. Richie James gets out there sometimes. Dante Pettis gets his chances. But you have to think that Debo Samuel is going to be the beneficiary here. Eight for 115 last week, and it was his first 100-yard uh, game. George Kittle is also out, and – I'm really liking Debo Samuel for this matchup. Um, like you mentioned, the Cardinals have just been bad against the pass. So if Emmanuel Sanders doesn't play, which we still have to monitor that, I think Debo Samuel is an awesome flex play for you this week. Yeah, I, I like that too. I think uh, Debo has really developed some chemistry with Jimmy uh, Grapple the last you know, couple weeks. And I think Grapple is starting to you know, realize, hey, this is a pretty good rookie, and he can actually catch the ball as we're Kendrick – I think I think I would play Debo, um, just because Mostert is. We saw just because what we what happened against the Cardinals last time. Tevin Coleman, you know, he didn't have such a good game. I don't think anyone really had a good running game. Going right back to that now, but um, I know I doubled down on Tevin, but I think that's just because the Cardinals are, you know, historically or not historically, but this season they've just been terrible at the run. Yeah, so Brita last game, 15 carries, 78 yards. Not terrible, but he did have a 31-yard run that really, you know, skewed it. And then right. Tevin Coleman, 12 for 23. So Ouch. it was really weird. But um, I, I think, you know, I don't think that's going to happen two times in a row, especially with the 49ers being home, coming off a loss. I think um, Mostert is going to get some goal line work. I wouldn't even be surprised if Jeff Wilson, you know, punched in two touchdowns off of, like, four carries. <laughs> My name is Jeff. So, <laughs> literally man that's what i was just thinking <laughs> so um i'm, I'm with yeah, you i'm like i'm with debo. you on debo yeah. i'm with you on debo for sure because george kittle is out so now you have to love the slot receiver anytime that the main tight end is out because you have to think that you know jimmy g is going to be looking over the middle who's he going to find it's going to be debo uh if emmanuel sanders is out in this game even if emmanuel sanders plays i still think that debo has uh has some uh, fantasy value in this matchup. Yeah, I haven't even mentioned Marquise Goodwin. You know, it, he really has kind of uh, fallen off where we thought that maybe he would be the wide receiver one uh, earlier when, you know, we saw Jimmy G last season uh, really utilizing uh, Marquise. So, or that was two seasons ago, I guess, at the end of the year. Well, um, but what about the Cardinal side, man? Uh, can you play David Johnson? Like, if you have David Johnson, should you be considering him? Uh, I was getting ready to make a joke about that when we were going to do our, uh, our running back and wide receiver starts of the week. I was going to make my start of the week, James Johnson. But uh, as we know, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys saw that run he had against the Bucks, in which he just took the hand off, jogged about five steps, and then got pasted. And it was just like, who is this guy? This isn't – what? It was just so bizarre to see, you know, a first-round talent, uh, fantasy-wise, uh, you know, play like that it was, it was like weird it's not is like you he, he, literally and it's not like he's been you know real bad all season like he he's been pretty consistent most of the season up until he got banged up the last couple weeks but 
I don't like David Johnson this week. I just think you have to sit him on your bench. And if he has a great game, then that is wonderful because he will be having a great game going into the bye, getting an extra uh, week of rest. And then I think um, after this week, he'll be a sol- not a solid play, but a an option at least because uh, Cardinals will play the Rams the, fo- well, yeah, the following week after their bye. Uh, Rams defense has been crazy good this year so if DJ has a solid game or at least just gets a lot of work and has his okay game against uh, the 49ers I think he could be good to go in a couple weeks against the Rams after he gets uh, some rest so I still think he's he's bugged by an ankle injury a little bit so you're more comfortable benching him than starting David Johnson this week yep 100 percent I I it would be hard to start him against the 49ers this week especially with, you know, Kenyon Drake's just been playing, you know, pretty good. He came out his first game. We saw him ball out uh, when they played the 49ers a couple weeks ago. Kenyon Drake's uh, opening up party or whatever, he he went just crazy. So I think uh, Kenyon Drake is going to have some momentum coming into that. And I think uh, Aaron, or not Aaron's, um, the Cardinals are going to want to give the ball to uh, Drake a little bit more and kind of see what they what they have and maybe – you know, give David Johnson a little bit more time to rest because I don't think he was benched because of play. I think it was a little, you know, maybe it was a little bit of his play, but mostly I think it was just because he was injured. And I I don't think the coach uh, wanted to come out and, you know, say David Johnson was injured, but uh, I don't think, yeah, Kingsbury wanted to say David Johnson was injured, despite, you know, he kind of did that earlier in the year. He he put him in for one carry and then that was, that was that. Yeah. um, Another thing I was just going to say, another thing to note is uh, Chase Edmonds might be back as well for that Rams game. So um, this backfield could be uh, a committee, as, as weird as that would sound. But we have, you know, three solid running backs who have all produced at least once or twice throughout the season. So if they're all healthy in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I do think that David Johnson is banged up. And it's frustrating because we just, you know, he's – still listed as active he's still out there getting some reps and he probably shouldn't be you know uh but he's out there and as long as he's active and he's on your roster he was your first round pick it's so tempting to throw him out there that would be really really uh tempting to to bench him uh but man you know it's tough to do that it's a tough call if you're david johnson owner i do think Kenyon drake has value because of the ppr upside um, so I think that you can flex Drake this week. Um, I probably, if it was if it was my team, depending on my roster, I probably would still put David Johnson out there, even though it could be a death wish at this point. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, depending on roster too. You know, if you got if you got a guy like Eckler or someone, you know, like a sneaky play, solid flex, where you could uh, have David Johnson would have been a flex play or even an RB two, in which you could kind of put a flex or a Boston Eckler into your RB2 and then play a wide receiver in your flex and it's PPR, then there's ways to get around it. But I, I think if you have to play David Johnson, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Steven. You know, there's some times where it's just you got to start your studs. Yeah, I mean, it really just depends on your roster at this point in the season. Um, and you really have to monitor his health, you know, monitor the practice reps, see what's going on because, like, obviously, man, he just looked so bad last week. Um Christian Kirk, you're playing him. Um, Larry Fitzgerald, I think I would bench him this week. Um, you know, he could always have a touchdown, but besides last week, he was really hurting your team being on your roster. Uh, so I would bench Larry Fitzgerald. I think you have to keep playing Christian Kirk and ride that wave, even though it's not the best matchup. Um, moving forward to the Bucks and Saints. Obviously, Michael Thomas is such a smash play this week. You have to be thanking uh, yourself for drafting him, uh, especially at this point in the season when they got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Michael Thomas is on pace for an historical season in terms of receptions, which would blow uh, Marvin Harrison's record out of the water. I think he's on pace for 155 receptions, something like that at this point in the season. So (laughs) unbelievable. Yeah, I think – He's at, I want to say, 80 or 86 right now. I can't remember the number, but I saw a stat. It was most most catches without a drop, and it was Michael Thomas was at either 80 or 86. I can't remember if it was a zero or a six. But um, anyway, Michael Thomas was way up there, and then the number two guy was Chris Godwin with 
60. So it just goes to show the gap between one and two. Michael Thomas has 20 or more catches than uh, the next guy who hasn't had a drop. So let's talk about the other receivers for the Saints because they haven't been necessarily relevant. But against the Bucks, I think that all plays are viable. Now, 10, 12 team leagues, you're not playing Ted Ginn or Traquan Smith. This is more of a DFS play because Traquan Smith was back last week. He played 83% of snaps, so he outsnapped Ted Ginn. Uh, he was only targeted twice in a weird game against the Falcons where they finally decided to play defense this year. Um, I think Traquan Smith is a very sneaky DFS play this week. Especially against Tampa, too. They just released uh, Vernon Hargreaves, so there might be, you know, some drama, or not drama, but, you know, just some commotion going on with that secondary and that defense. You know, they've just been looking terrible all year. The Bucks have been the team, you know, you want to pick on. Uh, they've lost four of their last five. They beat the Cardinals last week, but it's the Cardinals, so... I think, uh, yeah, I, I like Ted Ginn a little bit more this week. I think Ted Ginn is uh, – I just have a weird feeling he's going to get just a deep touchdown. I don't know why. My gut's just telling me that, though. So I'm, I'm going to lock that in as a Ted Ginn touchdown this week. Okay. I like that. I, yeah, I really do. Um, Alvin Kamara, you know, the, the Bucks have actually been pretty good against the run this year. But Alvin Kamara is matchup proof, especially with PPR upside. Uh, you have to love Alvin Kamara this week. You're starting him – course never bench Alvin Kamara uh Latavius Murray get move on from that I, if he gets a touchdown and he just pumbles into the end zone so be it but I, I'm not starting Latavius Murray I would say that talking yeah, there's going back to DFS Kamara might be lower owned than usual just because he you know two weeks ago uh I, I think he well he didn't play right I mean and then last week it wasn't a great game this week, I would certainly play Alvin Kamara in DFS uh, in, in a situation where he might be lower owned. Um, it's a favorable matchup for the Saints, so I, I would definitely play Kamara in DFS. Yeah, I think he could be a solid play too because a lot of people are going to be afraid of this Bucks run defense, and they've been very, very good uh, throughout the season. You know, they uh, last time they played the Saints, they only held Kamara to 16 and 62 with uh, just he, – he also had six catches for 42 yards. So his rushing wasn't there. But um, if, if, his, uh, if his pass game, his receptions are still there, and all he really needed was just one touchdown, then, you know, he has a phenomenal game. So I think that kind of – this game flies under the radar where, you know, he had 22 touches and uh, 104 yards, but no touchdown and – as Alvin Kamara, you're thinking, like, I want 17, 20 points. So a 10-point, 12-point game or whatever isn't that good for uh, Kamara. But I, I like him. You know, if he could have just got one touchdown uh, where, you know, all the touchdowns were just passing touchdowns. But we know Kamara is great in the receiving backfield. So he could easily get a reception for a touchdown, which uh, the Bucks have been not susceptible to uh, passing t reception touchdowns from running backs. But they do let up uh, – some passes to the running back. So I think Kamara is an excellent play. I, I do like that call, Steve. Yeah, so they uh, are allowing almost seven targets to the running back and over four catches to the running back per game are the Buccaneers. But, of course, like we said, Kamara is just different, and Kamara is going to be used. It, you know, they funnel the targets to Thomas and to Kamara in the passing game. That's why none of these other receivers are necessarily relevant on a week-to-week -week basis. But I do think that this week, one of those guys is going to be relevant, either Ginn or Smith, uh, as far as a dart throw. So you know, if you're in a deeper league, you could play those guys. Let's look at the Bucks side of the ball. Marshawn Lattimore doesn't look like he's going to play. And I, you know, you're, you're starting Mike Evans, you're starting Chris Godwin, no matter what. But I think this is a reason that you can think about starting Jameis Winston comfortably uh, with Marshawn Lattimore missing action last in New Orleans, he only had 200 yards, which was the only game he's had less than 300 yards since week three. Um, so any other game, he's put up over 300 yards. Uh, but in that game, he had two touchdowns. I think Jameis Winston could be in for a big game, especially as we've noted, you can't really run the ball. Or, or, oh, well, you can run the ball in the Saints. I'm, I'm thinking on the other side. But, I, I, you know, Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber both haven't been great on the ground. We actually saw Ronald Jones being utilized in the passing game, which was so surprising to see. Uh, but what do you think about Jameis Winston this week? 
Yeah, I like Winston. I think he could be a solid play. And against New Orleans, you might be thinking, oh, New Orleans is great defense. But um, they've let up some high-scoring games to, you know, some, some quarterbacks that can throw the ball. Uh, last time they played the Bucs, we saw uh, Jameis and Godwin connect for two touchdowns. So um, I think Mike Evans could have a bigger game, especially if Lattimore is out. I think it'll just be a field day if um, Lattimore's out for both uh, Evans and Godwin. But I think Jameis, uh, he could be a great start. Um, he's he looked pretty good the last probably like three, four weeks in fantasy terms. Yeah, he's been throwing your two interceptions, getting your turnovers. But um, if he could just limit that, then he goes from like a 17 to like 20-point ceiling to a 22 to 25-point ceiling. So Jameis Winston, uh, I, I think he can get it done. Um, the Saints, you know, it's – they are home, so I think the Bucks will have a little bit of an advantage there. But um, the Saints are favored by five and a half, so it, it should be a high-scoring game. The over/under is set at forty-nine and a half, so I think Jameis is going to get it in the end zone. But I will say this: uh, Bucks backfield has been really annoying. We've seen, you know, Peyton Barber last week. We saw Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones uh, get two touchdowns, and if those are passing touchdowns, then Jameis has a phenomenal week but uh he only finished with uh one touchdown and two interceptions had the passing yards again 358 pass yards but uh those two rushing touchdowns went to Peyton Barber and uh or not rushing I think Ronald Jones had a receiving touchdown maybe right. but anyways no, I think it was uh, a rushing touchdown a, it's just been a mess it was a rushing oh, yeah touchdown. It, it was it was yeah yeah I can remember. so yeah anyways yeah. but that backfield just it's been real suspect and you know I I have been one to uh, advocate to stay away from them just because it's it's someone different each week. You get Arian saying, oh, Ronald Jones has uh, looked a lot better. And then, you know, Peyton Barber gets the, the more touches in the next week. And it's just, it goes back and forth all the time. So would I be surprised if, you know, Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones scored? No, but uh, I don't think that'll be the case this week. I think it'll be a little bit more Jameis. Yeah, I'm with you on that, you know, and uh, we were talking about the Bucks being a great run defense. Well, the Saints are actually right behind them. So I, I was right in saying that, you know, Ronald Jones and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have some trouble because the Saints are only allowing seven, 67 uh, rushing yards per game this season, uh, only 11 yeah. fancy points per game to the running backs. So, yeah, you know, this might be more of a shootout than we think. This could be the makings of a classic. Uh, Buccaneers Saints game where it is that shootout uh, to note Jameis Winston has thrown for at least 300 yards in six of his last seven games the one game was at New Orleans for the 204 yards of course no Marshawn Lattimore this week most likely um, would you play Jameis Winston or would you play Josh Allen at Miami this week Ooh, that is tough uh, um hmm. Don't mean to put you uh, on the spot. That, I know that's a tough one. No, yeah, that's that's that's. I like that question though. Um, I don't know, Josh Allen. When they played Miami last time, I think he he kind of had. I think he Josh Allen has a much safer floor, but I think Janus Winston has a little bit higher of a ceiling. Uh, as I weird agree. as that sounds, but um, we've seen Miami. They've won. Uh, I think the last two now, but they're looking a little bit better, and they're not looking like, you know, the world's worst team in which uh, Alabama could come in and beat them, right. uh, or people, you know, get start saying all that as they're, you know, looking that bad, so I, I do think um, that Allen's going to have a great game, but um, he's only thrown 10 touchdowns, and he's got seven interceptions this, this season so far, so Right. He hasn't really been getting it done as much as we would have hoped he would have this year uh, on the ground and running. But um, his last uh, last couple of games last week, 22 for 41, 266 yards. Uh, don't he had no touchdowns. Uh, he just it's been real, real weird for Josh Allen. And then even against the Redskins, 14 for 20, 160 yards and a touchdown. So I think I'm gonna have to go with Jameis on this one. Um, I just. Uh, Josh Allen, don't get me wrong, um, he's a solid player. I think he's a great player this week. And uh, when they played the Dolphins last uh, couple weeks ago in Buffalo, uh, Josh Allen went 16 for 26, 202 yards, and two touchdowns. So 
solid game. You're happy with that. But against the, the Dolphins, you know, back then you were, you were hoping Allen would go for 25, 30 points, get rushing touchdown, you know, 50 rushing yards. But he just right. – uh, he did not do a whole lot. So I think uh, his floor is a little bit higher and his ceiling is a little bit lower. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Yeah, the one thing with Josh Allen uh, is he's not turning the ball over as much as Jameis Winston. Uh, he's really – done well with uh, managing the game uh, in his last four games he only has one turnover and that was a fumble uh, so since the bye week he's been pretty solid uh, and he's been you know he's had good matchups he's had very favorable matchups and I think that we're both on the same page of you know with the matchups he's had he probably could have played a lot better in terms of fantasy points um, you know he his the most yards he's had through the air this year is 266 that was last week in Cleveland um, in more of a, uh, a, a, a passing situation, I don't think they're going to be in a passing situation this week. I think they're going to be able to manage the game, run the ball, and Devin Singletary and Frank Gore are going to get a lot of work. So, yeah, I, I would go Jameis in what I think is going to be more of a pass-heavy type of situation. Um, let's go to the Ravens and Texans. This is going to be the last one we're going to talk about today. This is my favorite matchup of the week, Lamar Jackson against Deshaun Watson. What a game this is on paper. You have to love Lamar Jackson against the Texans this week. Uh, the Texans are terrible against the pass. Uh, they are 28th in the league in fantasy points uh, per game allowed to the wide receiver position, which makes Hollywood Brown just an awesome play this week. You have to start up Hollywood Brown. Not that you weren't going to anyway, based on what he did for you last week. Uh, but this is an awesome game for, for all Ravens. I would say Lamar Jackson, Hollywood, Mark Andrews, and Mark Ingram. You have to fire them up in this matchup. 100% agree. Uh, I think uh, – I love your note on here. It just says uh, under the Ravens-Texans game, the note is Lamar Jackson, da, 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 that is all. And that's <laughs> literally what it's been. You know, Lamar Jackson, that is all for the Ravens. It's like he's – pretty much all they've really needed and he's been just doing it all himself he's I know he's had some uh, help with Mark Ingram and you know Hollywood Brown early on the season and now he's back and healthy so I think the Ravens are um, this is going to be a big game for them the Texans are it's an AFC you know rival so I think this is a, a potential playoff matchup we could see and I think the Ravens and Texans both know that I think they're going to be both you know going head-to-head wanting to you know just kill each other but um, I'm liking the Ravens in this one. I think, yeah, what you're saying, start them all. Mark Andrews, uh, Mark Ingram. Um, even now, no. I was gonna, I was thinking about Gus Edwards, but no, not yet. Uh, Mark oh, Ingram man. still has that, has that locked down. But I, I thought, I did have a little thought that later on the season, Mark Ingram's an older back that maybe Gus Edwards could, you know, help him out. Uh, keep the wheels that we saw. Shady McCoy was rested last week. You know, I guess if that's what you want to call it. But I guess he did have a week off. So it would be interesting to see if, you know, um, they did a load management with Mark Ingram to try to keep him uh, healthy and uh, fresh for the the playoffs. Well, the interesting thing with Gus Edwards is that he's actually seen just as much snaps as uh, Mark Ingram in the past few weeks. And I'm trying to pull it up now. But uh, and then last week, actually, on that first drive, he had he was in on the goal line and could have plopped in for a touchdown. I think both times Lamar Jackson faked it to him uh, on some play action. But, uh, you know, the past few weeks, Gus Edwards – so last week, Gus Edwards only had 23% of the snaps. But two weeks ago, against the Patriots, 40% compared to uh, Mark uh, Mark Ingram's 44. Week before that, 37 compared to 51 for Mark Ingram. And then the week before that, he actually out-snapped Mark Ingram. So you're not far off on this Gus Edwards thing, but I do think that uh, Mark Ingram just has that role locked down. Gus Edwards is sneaking in there on goal line work because he is such a good goal line back uh, that I do think that he could pop in for a touchdown. So it's not that far-fetched, but you just can't play him uh, in season long right now. Um, On the other side of the ball on the Texans, you're playing DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller is back. Are you playing him, or is he staying on your bench? Um, I think uh, Will Fuller, uh, I think with just how susceptible he's been to injury, I think I would just want to make sure, you know, he's fully healthy. 
because we could see him run out in like the first quarter, first five minutes, pull a hamstring or something, and he's out the whole game. So, you know, I want to see at least one game where he, you know, you know goes out there, still has that same uh, role with Watson. I know we really only saw one big breakout game for him, but uh, we know it's there with Watson. So it's just going to be, uh, is it going to be Stills? Is, gonna, is he going to be the deep guy or is it going to go back to Fuller? So I wouldn't play Fuller this week, but he's definitely a guy to keep your eye on. And I think he's a guy who was probably dropped in a lot of redraft leagues. So if you want to uh, make, or not drop, but uh, maybe, you know, teams have given up on him. So you can make a low ball offer for him if you're a Will Fuller. Uh, do you like him? But uh, I, I'm not starting Fuller this week, but I think he could be a quality play next week. That's a good call. I mean, this, it's not the, the best matchup for you. If it was like Miami, yeah, you're probably playing him. But, you know, not not this week, uh, especially like you said, because he's been so banged up. He could go out there, run a post, and then he's sidelined for the rest of the day because he tweaked his hamstring. Um, that is a realistic <laughs> outcome for Will Fuller just about every week, unfortunately. Uh, but then again, so is like a 30-point week for Will Fuller. So he is so unpredictable, really tough to say. One person who, from the Texans, who I really like is actually Darren Fells. And past two games, he's had three touchdowns. Um, he is the main target for, um, for Watson in the, in the end zone besides DeAndre Hopkins. He's looking for Fells now. And, you know, a few weeks ago against Kansas City, six for 69 with no touchdowns. Uh, the past two weeks, three touchdowns. So he's really uh, stepping away from Jordan Akins as far as the number one tight end. Even though the Texans do like to use two tight ends often, I think that Darren Fells, with the landscape of tight ends the way it is, uh, he could be a nice plug and play for you this week. Um, if you were playing like Joe New Smith, uh, who's going to be on the bye. Um, if you had Evan Ingram, you know, I think that Darren Fells, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, I agree on that. Fells has kind of also come out of nowhere. And I know we saw Akins was kind of getting that same role too. But the last probably four or five weeks, we've really seen Akins phased out. And it's Fells that's really taken over this tight end role and this red zone tight end role. Right. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about one uh, running back right now that is like a start of the week. He's a must-start guy. And – the consensus might not be as high on him this week. I'll let you start us off, Adam. Yeah, so I mentioned him earlier, and I'm pretty sure everyone's probably already going to have this guy in your lineup, but this is just some extra emphasis on it, and that's James Conner. And if I'm advocating for James Conner, that is great because I've been a James Conner hater all season <laughs> long, but uh, he has started to come around. He has a really juicy schedule the next few games. They're playing the Browns uh, tonight, and the Browns have, I want to say, the second-worst run defense. Uh, yeah, they, the Browns are graded by Pro Football Focus. They have the second-worst run defense, and that is worse than the Dolphins and the Bengals and my hometown Lions, who have just been atrocious. So only the Chiefs are worse than them, and uh, that will allude to uh, your running back pick later. But, yeah, James Conner, I think he's going to be a smash play against the uh, Browns tonight. I don't think that injury is going to get in the way at all. I think he's just going to look 100% normal. But um, if you want a sneaky play, I think um, Jalen Samuels could maybe get in there and, you know, maybe have some sort of weird role. I know we saw um, a lot of jet passes. Uh, I forget what game it was, but it was a few weeks ago when uh, Devlin Hodges was still playing. Um, they ran a lot of, you know, they got all, all sorts of creative with uh, Jalen Samuels. So I think um, he, he still maybe can get in there. If you need a flex play, I think Samuels, uh, despite Connor being back and healthy, I think Samuels uh, can um, be a solid flex play. But I love Connor this week, and I think he's going to be a great play for DFS. And coming back off an injury, I think he should be at a reasonable price. I haven't looked at anything, but, uh, yeah, I think he should be a reasonable price. That's fantastic. Yeah, anytime that someone's coming off of an injury, you know, he's probably going to be lower owned in DFS. And this is just a good opportunity for James Conner because of that, or to play James Conner anyway. Uh, if you're in season long, like you mentioned, you're not benching James Conner, but you have to feel good about him this week, you know, and like, I do believe that he's going to get the lion's share of the work. 
also do like the Jalen Samuels call. Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers are very creative when it comes to their running backs. They always have been. Um, so I do like that call. It's kind of like a Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler situation, which my play of the <laughs> week for running back is Austin Eckler. And he disappointed last week. So I think that you might be inclined to bench him because now Melvin Gordon has uh, asserted his dominance. 60% of the snaps compared to 34 and 45 for Austin Eckler the past couple weeks. Now, in that 34% snap share against the Packers, he actually did pretty well for you. Um, he, when he was all on the field, he produced. He had 72 rushing yards and he had four receptions. Um, so you were happy about that. He almost, you know, he had 93 all-purpose yards. Last week, disappointed but he did give you the touchdown and you were happy about that because if he didn't give you the touchdown he certainly busted so I think the inclination could be to sit him but against this Chiefs team who you mentioned Adam dead last in fantasy points per game to the running back this is where you can hurt the Chiefs on the ground and not only that but the Chiefs give up the most red zone attempts Per game in the NFL and that's partly because of Patrick Mahomes and being such a fast-paced uh, player that the offense of the opposing offenses have to try to keep up and they end up in the red zone themselves I think Austin Eckler's gonna have a lot of opportunity in this game um, besides Keenan Allen and um, and Hunter Henry in re recent weeks you know Philip Rivers hasn't had a lot of help Mike Williams has been pretty inconsistent I think Austin Eckler is going to be used in the passing game and that any work that he gets on the ground is going to be uh, efficient against this Chiefs defense. So love Austin Eckler in this matchup. I think you can have confidence flexing him in this game. Um, yeah, I 100% agree. Um, like we were saying, despite Melvin, you know, really popping off and getting the load, I think Eckler still has that, you know, that line of trust with uh, Anthony Lynn. I think uh, he knows his role and I think, PPR half point, absolutely a phenomenal play. Let's move on to the wide receiver, Adam. Uh, I like your wide receiver this week. This is a good call. Yeah, so uh, I went with Tyrell Williams. Um, he's been pretty good this season, you know. He's developed a little bit of a chemistry role with Derek Carr, as you know, weird as that sounds. But uh, Tyrell Williams, he uh, he's looking pretty good. Uh, granted, we have seen the emergence of uh, Darren Waller. He's looked phenomenal, but uh, Waller's starting to slow down a bit. So he has only seen uh, seven catches in his last three games, which is very uh, un-Waller-ish to how his first few weeks were going. But, um, yeah, why I like uh, Tyrell Williams is because they're playing the Bengals. Uh, Tyrell Williams leads the, the Raiders in receiving touchdowns, and um, he – if he probably would be leading them in all the other categories, but he missed a few games uh, due to injury. But uh, as we know, the Bengals have just been awful against uh, wide receivers. Their coverage ranks uh, fourth worst in the league. The only worst uh, teams are the Falcons, Giants, and uh, Cardinals. So they are pretty bad. Um, their tackling is not good either. Their bottom uh, 10 in tackling, uh, these are all pro football focus grades. So if you can't tackle, uh, that's not good either. So Tyrell Williams, I think he's an excellent guy you could play this week. Uh, you're going to probably play him in your flex just because you, you have solid wide receivers. But I think he's going to post uh, wide receiver two numbers uh, or better just because that touchdown upside is so, so high with him. Yeah, I love that call. I mean, against Cincinnati, you just have to really attack them. Um, and Tyra Williams is the play uh, in terms of, um, of Oakland receivers. I also think that Hunter Renfro is in play. Um, you know, it's kind of a dart throw there. But in recent weeks, Derek Carr has relied on that intermediate pass. And Hunter Renfro is always there, just kind of finding a spot in the zone. So um, I think that could be a good play. But Tyrell yeah, he could really pop off this week. I mean, we saw Hollywood Brown have a great game against Cincinnati. I think that's a safe comp right there with a speedster like Tyrell Williams. So love that call. Uh, my call is DJ Moore. And I think that no one is in the camp of benching DJ Moore at this point. I'm not saying that this is like, you know, a hot take of like, oh, you got to start DJ Moore. But I think that you have to understand what he's done in the past uh, four weeks, and that is at least nine targets in each of the last four weeks. 
10, 9, 10, and 11. Last week, he had nine receptions for 120 yards uh, in Green Bay, in the snow, in a game in which Kyle Allen was trying to drive down the field and beat uh, Aaron Rodgers, which Kyle Allen really showed me a lot. And I, I think because of Kyle Allen, because of um, the schedule coming up, and they play the Falcons twice here, and that's they have them this week and they'll have them again in a couple weeks. Um, and the Falcons are, of course, one of the worst uh, teams in the league against wide receiver. I think DJ Moore, at this point in the season, if, you're, if you don't have a trade deadline in your season-long leagues, try to get DJ Moore. I mean, he's only had one touchdown this season. So in terms of fantasy points, he could have, you know, there's a lot left on the table for him. Um, but in terms of volume, in terms of snap count, this dude was on the field for 100% of snaps last week. Didn't get, come off the field. I mean, you have to love what you're seeing for the volume for DJ Moore and then the huge upside because this guy is a, a game breaker. He has that kind of game breaking speed. So DJ Moore is my start of the week at wide receiver. I think he has the potential for a top five play because the last two weeks, seven for 101, nine for 120. He gives you a touchdown. I mean, he's certainly a top eight play for the week. So uh, I, I love DJ Moore this week against the Falcons. Yeah, I, I kind of find it funny how we kind of have opposite guys. One, your guy is uh, receiving yards and receptions dependent, and my guy's been touchdown dependent the whole year. But uh, if, if Moore can get a touchdown or if Tyrell Williams can, you know, see twice the amount of receptions sure. uh, than he's been seeing, which is absolutely possible against the Bengals, and I believe this game should be high scoring because the Raiders' defense is pretty bad too. So I think um, – despite, you know, Ryan Finley is the quarterback for the Bengals. I do think, you know, Joe Wixon and that team has a little bit of a will to win, and they do want to get at least one win. So they're not, you know, one of the 0-16 teams like my <laughs> the Lions and the, the Browns, the 0 2016 Browns. So anyways, um, yeah, I think if DJ Moore could get a touchdown, we are really going to see that this guy is going to be uh, – has very very high wide receiver two potential with even you know wide receiver one upside if he could just get that touchdown yeah I was in the camp of why draft DJ Moore when you could just have Curtis Samuel at a cheaper price uh, early in this offseason but I do see the volume has been there with Kyle Allen I think maybe there was a different story with Cam Newton with Allen at the helm and by the way pick up Kyle Allen right now I mean because he's got Atlanta He's at New Orleans, which isn't the best matchup, but again, Marshawn Lattimore could be out. And it's Washington at home, at Atlanta, and then against Seattle, who hasn't been very good against the pass. So Kyle Allen could be a great quarterback for you. If you've been streaming the whole time, you pick him up, and you can comfortably play him throughout the fantasy playoffs, in my opinion. I think that he could be a solid play for you for the next few weeks. Um, but I think that DJ Moore at this point has, has earned the trust of Kyle Allen over Curtis Samuel, where Curtis Samuel is getting the low volume, more like the Tyrell Williams, and then he is getting you the touchdown. So you're happy about that. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, Moore is going to be the guy moving forward too. And I think he, he does have a little bit closer bond with Allen. I think he's developed more of that dominant wide receiver one type uh, status. Yeah, what a what a find in Dynasty if you're able to pick up Kyle Allen because it looks like Cam Newton is out the out the door after this year, and Kyle Allen could be you know leading this Carolina team for for years to come with DJ Moore and one of the best running backs in the league and Christian McCaffrey. Um, unbelievable what what has happened this year in terms of just like the fluctuation at the quarterback position. Exactly. Yep. All right. This has been the Hot Take Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, Adam Stark of Everyday Fantasy Football. Please tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and what you have coming up for them uh, as we wrap up the NFL season. Yeah, so basically I'm just on Twitter right now, Everyday FFB. I just wrapped up a signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey giveaway, but I'll be doing another uh, jersey giveaway, signed jersey giveaway uh, in the next couple weeks. So you'll definitely want to follow me and stay tuned for that. Uh, and this, once the off season hits, I will be uh, getting a YouTube page and hopefully uh, running my own everyday FFB podcast, the everyday Fantasy football podcast with Adam Stark, me. So that's the, the dream there to get a YouTube channel and a 
podcast. So once all that is up and running, those are the, the final uh, goals for me. So once I have that up and running, you know, made my uh, uh, handles and names or whatever, then I'll post all that information on Twitter. It'll be in my Twitter bio. And um, yeah, so you guys will just definitely check me out on Twitter right now. Uh, that's about all I've got going, but big plans for the future. Fantastic. Yeah, no, great follow on Twitter. And, you know, I, I just participated in the poll. Uh, best cheeseburger out there. And I had to go with In-N-Out just because of the value. I mean, you're not going to get a better burger for the price at, at In-N-Out. Uh, so I had to go yep, in Yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> I, the thing I don't understand about In-N-Out is the burgers are so good, but their French fries are just, I don't understand. They're so just like yeah. not good <laughs> yeah there's like there's no uh there's literally no potato in there i don't know what they're doing over there it's like you bought a bag of like hot fries or something like i don't, yeah, I don't exactly. understand what's happening with but that's why they have you have to do it animal style and just get the yep. thousand island dressing the onions and the cheese on top oh man um yep. making me hungry over here adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> you're telling me all right, yeah, uh, we are the Hot Take Podcast. Blake Sullivan should be back next week. You can follow him at Blake Sullivan FF. Follow me at FF Professor ST3. And of course, my rankings every week on fanball.com. Uh, thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast.